Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Canon Side Chat, your weekly Arsenal podcast where we discuss everything Arsenal, football in general, the Premier League, FPL, weekly wankers, you know the business. Today, I'm joined by Beckett and Sam, the original crew. And boys, I only have one question for you. Have you ever been this excited about an Arsenal team in recent memory? I don't think I have. No, I certainly haven't. I have not. And I'm, yeah, I just get more and more excited every week. Absolutely. I mean, anytime you're creating chances um, in that quantity that we were against Leicester, and then once again, putting four goals in the back of the net. Um, no, I can't remember a time. So, yeah, pretty excited about it. To epitomize how I'm feeling, I have to look no further than the hat Brady was wearing on Sunday, or Saturday, I suppose, when you were at Amsterdam watching the Brentford game. We'll get into that. But uh, for those of you who don't know, his hat just said Woody. And that's how I was feeling all day from kickoff all the way until I went to bed. I couldn't even sleep on my stomach, man. I was making a giant triangle. But before we get into that, you want to borrow my robe? <laughs> I've got my own, mate. Thanks, so. Yeah, I was going to say, easy. <laughs> we know what Beckett does in that robe. Um, and, and we don't like to talk about that on the actual pot. But anyway, before we get into that, I've got a few just generic things wanted to discuss first get your guys thoughts um first off we all watched chelsea tottenham right um obviously an exciting game and really probably the ideal result for us as arsenal fans however that game leaves a a real 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 nasty taste in my mouth due to some of the officiating that that transpired in it um I just can't believe some of the no calls, some of the non-yellows or reds. Um, and then to cap it all off, he's that ref is going to the World Cup too. That is the Premier League's representative at the World Cup. Um, so I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that real quick. <laughs> the hair pull, the horrendous Bintaker slide tackle that wasn't called, the Conte Tuchel madness. Uh, what do you guys think about that? Uh, you, you summed it up at the end right there with everything. I mean, it's just how how we even have a system where we have VAR that doesn't correct any of the mistakes that the main referee makes. I can understand the main ref making a mistake, but what is the point of us even having VAR if it's just going to completely overlook things? Like one of the one of the things that you VAR is was there a foul in the lead up to a goal? <laughs> And you could say in both of those occasions, there definitely was a foul. So I, I don't know. I was, I was perplexed. Sam, how about yeah, you? Yeah. The talking about the hair, hair pull specifically, I, I don't know how that's not barred to a red and I don't know how there's no like game suspension for that. I feel like that is, that would warrant like having to sit two extra games, not even just a red card alone. So yeah, I was just mind blown by that. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. It's right in front of the ref. And not only that, but it's clear as day on the replay, too. You can see the ref, ref's head looking right at it. And it doesn't get overturned. Should be a free kick going out. Romero's already on a yellow. He should be off the field. And instead, well, you know, a Harry Kane glancing header to tie the game. Um, and going back to that Bintaker foul, that's debatably a, a yellow or red. Just for stopping the counter. I mean, Havertz is is running towards goal full sprint and it's a tackle from behind that gets nowhere near the ball. 
and it's not a foul. And what do you know? Sure enough, Tottenham go up the other, the other end and score off that. Um, Bentiker stopped running. He yeah, thought it he was a foul. he the he had the most guilty look on his face of all time. He literally yeah. stands up and is like, "Shit!" Just waiting for waiting for the whistle, and never comes. He's like, "All right, play out of it." I mean, I was perplexed in it. I was honestly a little upset after the game. I'm like, "This can't be. This can't be it again." Um, not to mention that, but. To go back to Leicester when we played them and we get that Jaka goal called back where he's not even in the line of sight and he's standing off sides and they call the goal back. But Richarlson, it's the ball goes around him. Like there's no denying that he blocked the ball for a few seconds in an offside position and that's not even looked at or given. Like I just. He adds. It's he so adds a hypocritical. Whole, he adds a whole extra body length to when the goalie Mendy can see that ball. Like, exactly. And and reaction time is so important for a goalie that av- having like his own player was definitely in his line of sight as well, which throws him off. Add a whole nother player, he doesn't see that ball till the very end. He has maybe half a second to react to that, and it's yeah, I, I agree. They, we see this every. Every season, I feel like with Arsenal, we see incidents like this, and I don't know, it's getting ridiculous. I feel like the refs go in at during the summer break and they look at very few items, and then they try to fix those specific items next year and forget the one, the rules that already existed. So I don't know, and and I don't want to hop on. Oh, they called against Arsenal, but not against Tottenham. Like that's not the argument I want. It just so happens that the same thing happened there. And I'm sure it happens in other games all the time, but it's just frustrating the inconsistency. Like if you're going to call that on Arsenal that time, you have to call it every single time. What's the point of VAR? Like, I don't get it. It's so inconsistent. VAR, I'm almost done with VAR. I'd rather just live with ref mistakes than live with, is it going to be VAR? Can it be VAR? Obviously that's wrong, but can we go back? It's just, I'm just done with it. Um, Yeah. That about sums that up. <laughs> On to more light news, uh, lighthearted. Can we have another laugh at Man U again this week or Absolutely. what? Oh, my goodness. I know, Beckett, you were out at uh, the old soccer bar in St. Louis watching Amsterdam Tavern with a few Brentford guys. You want to tell us how your experience was there? That place was crazy. First off, when the game started, I looked around and was like, man, there's more Brentford fans here than Manchester United. And that Amsterdam's the biggest thing soccer bar in St. Louis. So uh, I was standing around and a few more Manchester United people started trickling. In. There was like seven, seven guys there that had Brentford jerseys on and were rooting for Brentford. And it was that first goal goes in. Oh my God, the place just erupted Brady. And so uh, Kyle, a couple of the other guys, uh, Stave were freaking out and the Brady was over talking to a couple guys and that were Arsenal fans and they started joining in celebrations, and soon enough, everybody in the bar, every goal that was scored, everybody in the bar was cheering for Brentford goals, and the Manchester United fans just looked like they were all about to cry. Would it be uh, safe to say that Amsterdam was buzzing oh, during that first half? Absolutely. The bees were buzzing. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a good time, and uh, they got a shout-out from the Brentford contingent USA contingent in New York, 
so it was, it was just a cool day. It was it was electric. You straight from the Arsenal game into that game, and it, it as as an Arsenal fan, you couldn't have been more pumped about the whole situation. And to see everybody in a soccer bar, most of them aren't the same fans of the same team, come together to just laugh at the misery of Manchester United was really, really what you go to soccer bars for. <laughs> the, my favorite part of the game, though, too, was a lot of their their wounds were self-inflicted. Um, Harry Maguire, De Gea, um, you just love when a team just digs himself a hole, and especially when it's Man United. So, yeah, it was an awesome game. Absolutely. Yeah, you do love that. Um, and it's even better that it is Man United after watching Gary Neville lap it up with Brentford fans last season. You know, when we are in that position, granted it's only 2-0 and not 4-0, and it's on the first day of the season at Brentford in their first game in the Premier League ever. Not the top flight, but the Premier League. Um, so, yeah, you hate to judge them on two games. You know, I'm, I don't think they're going to get in the relegate. They're going to be in a relegation fight or anything, but it's just – just nice to see them get a taste of their own medicine after last year Roy Keane was taking the piss out of Arsenal saying, Oh, they got a good enough team. You know, I think they'll be fine. Um, they'll stay and up. what do you know? Yeah, they'll stay up. Yeah. Where's that clip from yesterday? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, or two days ago. I think that's just, just hilarious to see them in that position now. And we are sitting almost top of the table. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, hang on to the feeling of them saying those things after the game. And what all Manchester United fans said and the trolls out on social media, I'll remember all of that. Just a little foreshadowing with that. Oh, yeah. And last but not least, uh, I know you guys maybe got to catch it. I was at soccer practice with my team, so I didn't get to. But another top team seems to be faltering a bit in Liverpool. That's two draws from teams that they probably would have expected to take three points from. Um, Darwin sees a red. I know that hurts your fantasy team, Beckett, but um, yeah, I don't care. What, any, yeah, I don't. I don't really care. Thanks. Thanks for that, mate. Yeah. Um, I mean, we beat Crystal Palace two nothing. Does that mean we're better than Liverpool? I don't know. It means uh, we guys... already won the league. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Just uh, end it now. Um, but yeah, any thoughts on that? Just what was going on. I didn't get to catch it. So I will say, um, having watched a decent amount of the second half, I didn't quite catch all the first half, but, um, Liverpool for a majority of that second half, even when they went down a man still looked the most, more dangerous attacking side. Um, Crystal Palace had a couple of runouts where Zaha almost got on the end of things to kind of put the game away, but, um, that never ended up happening. So, um, they still look good even when they went down a man. I thought they were definitely the favorites to to edge the win if either side was was going to break the tie. Um, I think they actually looked better once they went down a man. And it was brought up uh, in the post-game show on NBC. Um, maybe it was Danny Higginbottom was talking about how maybe with Nunez being a new player and them trying to transition, they're trying to play towards Nunez's strength too much because as soon as he left the pitch, they looked like Liverpool that ended last season. They were ball hawking even though they were down a man. I kept thinking, is Crystal Palace gonna gonna like do anything to save this game? But no, uh, Liverpool was ball hawking. They looked better offensively, but 
that's a that's enough compliments for them from me today. So no, no, you gotta you gotta give credit to the Luis Diaz goal. Um, if you haven't seen that yet, yeah, um, it's an absolute banger where he dribbles through about three people and then just pulls up from right outside of the box. So um, got to give him a little slap on the back there. Yeah, that was that was wet, but. Well, I suppose we will get a better look next week when Liverpool and Man Man United played against each other. Um, I think that goes one of two ways. I think it either Man United gets a, maybe a hard-fought 1-0, 2-0 loss where they're able to build from, or all of the cogs fall out of the wagon and everything landslides. Liverpool, 4 nothing win, 5 nothing win. And personally, I'm leaning towards the latter because if you can't deal with the Brentford press trying to play out from the back, there's oh, no way you're you're playing out in the back against Liverpool. Absolutely no way. Crystal Palace couldn't do it when Liverpool was down 10 men, as you just said. Um, and I'm not going to act like I'm extremely familiar with Eric Ten Hag's game-to-game tactics. How, however flexible he is and if he's willing to change things up based on opposition. But if De Gea is con- going to continue to try to play out from the back, if Harry Maguire is going to continue, uh, what's his name? I can't think of Aaron Wan-Bissaka. If all those guys are going to continue to try to play out from the back, oh, Liverpool might might get six or seven. <laughs> I mean, it. I don't see that going well. So Yeah. We'll see you next and, week. Uh, I... One more thing was that if if they keep first off De Gea being their starter goalie is just laughable because Dean Henderson just won man of the match yeah. and put on an absolute clinic back and saved there. the pin yeah but when I saw the lineups for the game I I turned to Brady I was like dude they they just lost last week and they immediately put out a way or an attempted way more offensive lineup they had only one really defensive center mid Erickson was the other one with Bruno and Fred. And I just said, do you get Brentford could easily take advantage of this on the counterattack. Is there even a defensive mid in there? Yeah. Well, they Fred and Erickson. <laughs> yeah. I, I would, I would agree with you, but the, for some reason they see Fred as a six because even the first game of the season with McTominay and Fred McTominay was the one that got forward a lot more than Fred, which is just, that just seems ludicrous to me. I, I have no idea what's going on with that team. And quite frankly, I hope that continues because I just want them to be an absolute shambles. Yeah, fair enough. Well, on to greener pastures. Let's get into the meat of things, the, or the Arsenal game. Um, we started out hot again, all over them. Uh, what do you guys think of just opening 15 minutes before we broke the tie? I think it was electric again. Uh, I, I'm going to use that word a lot this season because the that the, the front three, their movement, the things that they're doing. I, it was really it was really nice to see them get started off good again, and the atmosphere from the crowd you could hear it oozing through the TV. Really helps get the team going. Yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, similar to the first game, um, they were just hassling everyone, not giving them any extra time on the ball um, and winning the ball in good areas, which um, I think also another thing about our front three is that they're once they get the ball, they're ready to go. 
um, straight away at goal, which I think um, helps us catch defenses kind of uh, out of formation, um, out of structure. So I think that's just really beneficial for us. Yeah, I'm with Beckett. It was electric. Um, no one epitomizes that more than Gabriel Martinelli. I mean, every time he got on the ball, he was looking to run at someone, beat someone. Um, and you need that from your from your wide players. And not only do you need that, but you need them to maintain the ball as well. And I don't know how many times I saw the ball slightly get away from Martinelli, and he's somehow able to manipulate his way back in front of the defender, keep the ball, touch it by another dude. Um, yeah, it was it was really electric stuff. And to cap it off, he does a Fofana up and gets him on a yellow win. Was at the 15th, 16th minute. Um, so the center back's already on a yellow fire in his eyes immediately. Now this guy has to be yeah. careful. Um, so I think that really set the tone for the game. And then not too long later, we get a, a first goal for Gabriel Jesus. What'd you guys think of that? Cause I went nuts. Yeah. That, that, that goal reminded me of Alexis immediately. And I've heard so many people make comps, but Alex, and I've seen the video of a goal that Alexis scored very similar, but uh, it, they're similar in the, what they have brought or what they did or are bringing to Arsenal. Uh, Alexis brought all that energy and Gabriel Jesus is bringing all sorts of energy to the front line. And when he just stops, as, as soon as he stops, you're like, oh shit, what's happening here? And he just loops it up and over. It was just, that's pure class. And that's exactly what we needed out of a striker. In regards to those Alexis comps, I definitely see them. I mean, they they have very similar profile, very similar type of player. The one difference I will state right now is electric or electric. Alexis <laughs> has that energy, but kind of a maniac, right? Kind of wild, kind of all over the place. Gabriel has that energy, but it's so controlled. You know what I mean? You can tell yeah. he's listening to Mikel. Knows exactly when to press, knows exactly when to run in the box, knows exactly when to flare out wide and get the ball, find it in the channel. You know, I remember listening to Santi talk about Alexis and him say, great player, incredible, but anytime we go to tactics, anytime we go to watch film, anything's like, oh, film, oh, why can't we just play? You know what I mean? He yeah. just wants to be out on the ball. And you got to respect that. You know, dude wants to play. I give it to him. Um, but when, when, the way soccer is going now is so tactics-based. You have yeah. to be able to know all that. Um, so, yeah, but the comps are, and the similarities are definitely there. Um, yeah. Sam, what do you think about the goal? Oh, I thought the goal was awesome. I mean, we win the ball um, high up the pitch again. Jesus gets it, um, kind of shields off, and then just his ability to shake defenders and then, like, make a quick one-two, um, I think it's just incredible. I think his balance – um, and getting defenders off balance is just one of his best skills. And then obviously an incredible finish takes a little bit of a deflection, but the idea is there. And I mean, when I saw it float in, you see it float and you just hold your breath and you're like, just wait to the net, back of the net to bold. So it's just awesome. Yeah. And can't forget to mention who gives him that ball too. Yeah. Is Jaka in the middle of the box. One touch layoff. I mean, it's perfect, and I can't believe that that is a thing now. But Jaka looks so potent in the box. Uh, about 
five, six minutes before that goal, he finds himself on the back post, heading the ball off the post. Like he was, yeah, he was all over in the box, showing up in the right places as well, which is, which is obviously very promising. And it's, it's what we've been asking for, for how long, five, six years now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not that's gonna lie. Great. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think Jaka had this in his game last season. Um, but seeing it there, it's like he really makes some really intelligent runs. Like that header from great ball, first off by Saka. But yeah, great, um, great, great last second run by Jaka. And there are a couple more runs he made where he just didn't quite have the pace. Yeah. Where I was going to say he found that gap that seemed down the middle of the field, too, and he just couldn't get on it. I think it was Party who played that ball. And Party. Mm-hmm. Ben White. Was it Ben White? I think it was Party. No, that one was Party. Yep. Sorry. No, there were um, two. There was two. There was there two, was but the one I'm thinking of is Party. Um, and Par- Party just overestimated the pace just a tad because it was right out of his stride. Um, but yeah, Jaka looking incredible. Um, was, and then not too getting, long after that. Oh, sorry, you go back in. No, no, I was just gonna say he was getting. He, he was probably in there like six times. Oh yeah. I, I, I think that maybe that because they're just losing him because him and Zinchenko are just in and out. Flipping in out, and yeah. Out. Just, and that's what you need. Just, it's so hard to pay attention to both because you yeah. don't know which one's going to float out to your your area. So Yeah, and it created a lot of good combination, which then culminated in, I think it was a little martinelli Jaka jesus combination right there that led to it. So yeah. it, it was, I, I, I stand by, I think, as we'll get further into it, this was Jaka's best game in an arsenal jersey oh yeah oh yeah i think one thing too with the uh, with jaka and his his runs like yeah the interchangeability gives it a different aspect for them to defend against but i also think it's kind of similar to like albert pujol stealing a base it's like people <laughs> don't really expect jaka to make a run in behind for a chip ball into him so i think that kind of just like they're just never looking for it so um it kind of comes off and not too long later, we get the second goal on the Gabriel Hayes' header from the corner. Uh, assist to Jamie Vardy. Incredible flick to the back stick. Um, but again, that's what we signed him for. Right place, right time. Couldn't ask for an easier finish. Um, yeah, and that, that about ends the half. Do you have anything on that? That's a That's a good poacher's goal. Because yeah. he, he sees all the big guys in the middle and he just floats to an area that he know if the ball comes out here, I'm th- gonna score it. And yeah. I I think that's that's something that he's really good at and one of the reasons we signed him, as you mentioned, because he is just good at being in space and getting headers. Uh also and something we've got that the players to get the ball into those spaces. Yeah. And that's also something I think Enkedia has shown an ability to do previously, but with someone like Jesus, Jesus in the team, he can help him mold like maybe better positioning for it and stuff like that. But yeah, I think it was really just spot on. He's just there and you love it in a home debut. Oh yeah. Martinelli is really whipping those balls in though mm-hmm. um, from that corner. And I think the original plan was to have party in there to flick it. Obviously party, does the job just fine to get to Jesus, but yeah, it was awesome. And then I blinked for a second. I thought I saw Obama Yang trying to bike it rather than head that in. So I'm glad, I'm glad we had uh Jesus there. And 
uh, kept it less theatrical. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, and I forgot to mention too, I almost passed on into the second half, but uh, he had a chance to make a hat trick not too long after that. I think I heard James on Ars blog today say that Ramsdale was on his knees, hands in his face after Jesus or after that, who is it? Indeedy tackle. Um, yeah. But again, we talked about it on the last pod where Jesus chases that ball down, shifts around, gets in or gets to the ball ahead of who was it? I don't remember who it was. Chris Powell. Johnny defender. Evans. Johnny. Evans. No, Evans no. this week. But last week he did oh, okay. a similar so, thing. This week, Ramsdale plays that ball. He flicks it to himself, then immediately shoulder checks and backs Johnny Evans down onto yeah. the floor and yeah. turns him. Incredible. I mean, oh, and he and to be fair, he probably should have had four because there's another right interchange later where Odegaard, Martinelli, it's all one touch, just flick, flick, flick. Martinelli plays him in, and then he hit. I mean, you can't blame him. The angle's tight. You already have two, but uh, – just goes to show what we can do whenever we give it a tiny bit of time on the ball outside the box. Um, yeah. So it's probably that combination, that combination for the, the last one that you just mentioned was super silky. Oh yeah. It was, yeah. It was Martinelli's ball. I thought, I thought he it wasn't going to get through and it just was perfect. So yeah, it was, it's really nice. Combination play over there has been exceptional. It was Meg nuts on that Martinelli pass. Straight That's why to the I didn't legs. think it was going to get through. <laughs> That's why I was surprised that it did, because when they showed it back, I was like, let's go. I think that's the interplay that gets all of us in our robes, Beckett. I think, yeah. you know, watching that, yeah, I think that gets us all a little bit excited. All right, well, on to the second half. Um, it's kind of a common theme. We kind of fade out in the middle of the game, and I don't want to say we took a break, but Slight lapse of our concentration, and next thing you know, the ball's in our own goal. Um, William Saliba, I'm not going to say there's much he can do about it. Um, I don't. It's just a lack of communication between him and Ramsdale. Um, so I can't, I can't harp too much on it. Obviously, it's unfortunate. He knows he should do better. Ramsdale knows he should do better, uh, and it's more about how they respond than the incident itself. And there could be no complaints about the response because we get one back right away. Thanks to Jesus again, or Jaka again, um, and Jesus. So anything on the own goal or the incredible ward air that led to our goal. Yeah. The, the own goal. If, if Saliba doesn't get his head on that Vardy's probably scoring. Yeah. So I, he has to go for it. And I, I mean, I can't really fault him for that. Maybe he learned something that if you, if I get it, I have to get a lot more on it and make yeah. sure I push it outside the post. So you, it's a learning experience. But I wouldn't. And the fans gave him tons of cheer afterwards. Next time he touched the ball, the crowd went wild for him. So very good to see that because it, there's, there's not a lot he could have done differently there. Yeah, and Ramsdale, to his credit, was straight to him, patting him on the back. Yeah. Don't worry about it, man. We just play. We're on. Yeah, you've been incredible. Hardly put a foot wrong in these two games that we've played so far. Wipe it off and just keep playing how you've been playing. And like yeah. you said, there's not much he could. He has to get something on it. It's just it's just unfortunate the way the ball rolled. Um, Sam, anything on the own goal? 
Yeah, I mean, for obvious reasons, Saliba's kind of already acclimated himself to becoming kind of a fan favorite. Um, but I also think whenever you give fans more to cheer about, more goals, clean sheets, wins, I feel like it kind of reduces the toxic at- toxic atmosphere around the club. So I think if you know Saliba heads that in when we're losing 1-0 to Brentford at the start of last season, I don't know if you get that same response from the fans. But um, yeah, I love I love to see that. Love to see the the supporters actually supporting the team through the the good and the bad times. Yeah, and I don't want to harp on it too much. Actually, we'll get into it afterwards, but uh, just a quick shout. I know once Pats and Daka got subbed on, Saliba kind of ran him into the ground on a circle tackle, and it was probably the biggest cheer that the crowd had when Saliba won the ball at half line and just played it out. And so it was really nice to see the fans get get on his – not get on his back, but help him, push him up, support him, because that's what we're there for when it comes down to it, is supporting the players and the team. Um, and it's obvious that all these these guys are giving their hard, hard working as hard as they can. So it's different if it's man you and you got people walking around and you're down. But yeah, so don't want to harp on that too much. Um, the Jaka goal again being in the right place at the right time. You have to make that run just for the mere chance that Ward bobbles it. And what does he do? But bobble it right to Jesus, and he just knows exactly what to do with it. Jaka puts it away. Um, I don't think we should dwell too much on it, but... Why did they... How, how have they not replaced Cash for Michael? That's the thing I take away from that. I'm glad, like, Hages was in, the, was in the right spot, and Jaka was in the right spot, and you love that we score out of it. But what what are they doing? And Leicester has been, always been harped on for their good recruitment, which they've had in the past, but Schmeichel leaves, and your backup goalie is Ward. That's just... That's kind of questionable if, if to me. Um, I think that Ward, and I can't remember the other guy's name, I think they were competing for the spot, and Ward won it with like five days before the first game. But, yeah, I mean. Uh, and then of, he yeah. just lost it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I know he just lo- lost his spot on my fantasy team. So <laughs> yeah. They should have been all over Dean Henderson. Yeah, if I uh, They might have been, but United probably didn't want to sell him. They just wanted to loan him, so he made him look. Their goalie looked bad. I have to agree. Um, yeah, but on to the next. So Leicester kind of, again, take a little bit of the upper hand in the game. Not necessarily, but, you know, we lose a little bit of control. And next thing you know, James Madison plays a 1-2, a deep run for midfield. I don't want to... I don't want to be too harsh on Ramsdale, but that's there's no angle there, and it's at your feet that that ball has to be saved. Um, but again, don't want to be too harsh. He knows it. You could tell he knew it as soon as it went in. Um, so yeah, I'm not not too worried about that. His distribution, if his distribution was off, and that goes in, and we only win three two or four two, then there might be a few more questions. But again another small lapse and in a closer game that might kill us. But like we said, it's all about how we respond and what happens a minute later, another goal. So, yeah, as soon as the, as soon as he scored the Madison scored, which again, I think it should have been saved, but I'm not going to go into too much, too hard onto him. Uh, Brady 
looked over at me. He's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's like acting like getting nervous. I was like, there's not a chance. If you've been watching this game, we're about to score again in the next two minutes. And they go down the field and score. I'm just like, see, I wasn't worried for a damn second. Sam, what do you think about the goal? Yeah, I mean, I don't know too too much about goalkeeper training, but I feel like that's something to just at least put that out of bounds or something. You might have to restart that. <laughs> we oh, only I heard, you... I don't know much about goalkeeper training. <laughs> and then he froze. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, um, yeah, I don't know too much about like goalie training, but I imagine that's not one that's rehearsed often, a shot from that angle. But yeah, I think you got to do better to at least not, not secure the ball, at least kick it out for a corner or something because he barely gets anything on that. And then, yeah, just right through the wickets, as some would say. So, yeah, wasn't a good look, but glad to see we bounce back and the team pick him up. Yeah, and incredible strike from Martinelli on the weak foot, far post. Just a low worm burner, um, exactly how you're taught to strike it, for being honest. Um, and like I said, it's kind of from distance, outside the box. I know we talked about it last year when Saka scored, who was it, Newcastle? Um, another goal similar from the other side. It was on his strong foot, but we're saying, man, if Saka's got that in his locker now, man, he could be good, and it looks like Martinelli might be able to, to strike that home too. And we know Emil Smith-Rowe can do it because he did it about three times last year with goals walking in from outside the box. So that's really, really, really exciting to see that we have some people that can hit from from range now too. That goal epitomizes what Martinelli is and what he's going to be for us all season because he's the one tracking back and winning that ball at half. Yep. Yep. He steps in, wins Makes the run. Yeah, distributes it. Play builds back up. He's comes. You're watching on TV. You just see him come bursting back into the screen across the middle of the field, and Jesus walks it all all, all the way across the box, lays it off to him, and then he just gets that shot off, left footed from that angle. That's a that's that's as good of a hit as you can hope for. I mean, just yeah. perfect corner rolls it straight in, and it is. I'm so happy that Martinelli got that because that goal was very well deserved. He's been he oh, yeah. runs all over the field, does a lot of hard defensive work, and then he's popping up everywhere we need him to on the offensive attack as well. Yeah, when I saw him going to strike it, I was kind of surprised he was pulling up from there um, on the left foot. But after I saw it leave his foot, I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, that's off the post and in. So, yeah, I was psyched. Yep, and I think that prompted our first subs of the game, um, 75th minute. So again, Arteta not really, I don't want to say not using the sub because we end up using four, but not really using them as we've seen sort of other managers use them. And again, like we said last week, that may be a symptom of him looking at the team and being like, holy shit, like we're playing pretty well. What do I even need to change? You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, seven fifth minute, we make our first, first change. And I think after that, it's almost just trying to kill the game off, you know, just make a sub every few minutes, just a waste of waste a bit of time. Uh, but we saw it off pretty well. I don't remember Lester really threatening after that Martinelli goal whatsoever. Um, 
yeah, so can't complain about that performance, really. A few laps of concentration that need to be fixed. Um, no clean sheet hurts, obviously, but, man, I'm willing to overlook that as a fan just based on the attacking performance. I'll take a 4-2 win all day if it means we're winning. Oh, absolutely. And a 4-2 game that very easily in my eyes could have been 5, 6, 7 and nothing because, yeah. I mean, their goals, um, I don't think those moments happen uh, week in, week out. Um, and then, like we mentioned earlier, Jesus had a couple of chances to get on the score sheet a couple more times. Um, and, yeah, we just looked really dangerous the whole time. So I thought it could have been much more lopsided scoreline than, than the 4-2. I agree, and agreed as well. Us putting in four against Leicester's, we haven't done that really, and there's a lot of teams that we probably could have been putting in four on in the past. So maybe we'll see a continued explosion by this offense, and maybe we'll we'll have a couple more games where we're scoring four or five goals, like City and Liverpool have always been doing. So, and that's one way to get your goal differential up because we definitely needed more goals in this team. And if Martinelli continues to play like this, hey, Jesus is going to get his and Saka is going to come right along and contribute. So you just love to see them bagging goals this early on. Yeah, I can, I can still feel that feeling from last season. Whenever we would concede, it doesn't matter what the score was, but we concede and you're just instantly like, Oh my gosh, like we're not going to get it all three points. It's over. Yeah. 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 And to yeah. your point about could have been six or seven, I think I said it before, but yeah, I mean, Jesus could have had four by himself on it on his own. Um, not trying to be hard on him or anything, but that's just how many create our chances we created in the game. Yeah, there was another one. I don't think we mentioned uh, Saka shot off the keeper that fell to him that he kind of skied, but oh he yeah, had a quick reaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Off so I mean, there, I mean, five really solid chances, but. He's can't be mad at him. Our, goal, our two goals, two assists. Yeah, can't. I don't want to, you know, bark at him. But yeah, come on, do better, yeah. man. I bet on you for the golden boot. Come on, dude. It's your home debut. Yeah, you want a hat trick, dude? You scored four <laughs> for City last season. year. What the hell? Yeah. Um. But yeah. Anyway, speaking of City, they played our opposition next week at the same time as we were playing Leicester. Um. So I had it on. Just to, you know, just watch. Um, and every time I looked over, the city had the ball in and Bourne missed final third. I mean, they were always constantly pressuring, looking to score, looking to build on their lead. Um, so I think that we, I'm not saying we're as good, we have as much quality, but we stylistically, Pep is kind of running that 3-2-5 as well with their wing backs and how they're operating and the the wing the wing backs are coming in centrally and kind of playing as a double pivot um it's really similar to how we've been playing so stylistically it matches up fairly well um so i'm hoping that that bodes well and we can talk next week about another four nothing dub yeah anything and on to, born myth for you guys well i was gonna say to that point with you talking about stylistically, you, that's kind of what I said earlier with the way Zinchenko is just moving and, and shock has been good about covering him and that movement. 
it causes all sorts of problems. We see it with City all the time because Jao Cancelo, if you've seen him play in the last couple of years, he's an absolute beast. He's scoring all sorts of crazy goals. He's more of a winger or a center mid than anything else. And in a lot of ways, Zinchenko was doing exactly that this game. And his combination play with Martinelli and Jesus and Odegaard in moments is exactly what we've seen from them and hopefully we'll continue to see out of Arsenal because it just creates problems. Ben White's not, that's not exactly what he's going to do on the other side, but he can step into the midfield and be a facilitator too with his passing. So I, I agree stylistically, it's just gelling pretty well. One thing that you mentioned there about, you know, Zinchenko and Zizhaka interchanging, floating, Ben White sliding in are, are, front three attackers you never know where you're going to find them you know jesus might be on the left wing martinelli might end up on the right wing Saka all over the place um and that fluidity just causes mayhem in a defensive unit because you have no idea if you're supposed to follow this guy all the way across the field if you're supposed to hand him off in those little moments where there's indecision is exactly when we're going to kill you and someone's going to slip away and be free. It's exactly what happened on that Jaka run. He makes that run from the midfield. The center backs are sliding apart because they don't they're going to mark their their men respectively. That midfielder's caught asleep. Like so whenever you have that interchange and that fluidity in creating different spaces and p- different people popping up in, it's just it's so hard to defend against because yeah. you have to constantly be making a decision and it always has to be the right decision or else you're going to get punished. So yeah, I think the more decisions we make people make, the better off we'll be. Yep. I agree. Yeah, it really allows us to kind of overload um one side or um one half of the defense, uh, whenever you have those different players flying in um from all sorts of angles. And and you'll see like a lot of times you'll see that when Jaka is in the midfield, he will drop almost deep into the other team's line where almost where he's part of the front line too. And then they'll just pop in and out of the spot because they're behind the midfield line. So those midfielders that are trying to defend them, they're in the pocket. The def- the defensive line can't cover five forwards when there's four guys there. And if they're behind the midfielders, the midfielders have no idea where they're at to your point Q because you're just rotating in and out, in and out and out. So the midfielders have to speed. react. They can't be, yeah proactive they have to react to that move because they have to be checking their shoulder yeah. you know doing all that and, and so then as soon as you pop in you already have an advantage yeah so. that ball played into their feet by one of those three ben white and or party has beaten the midfield line now already. the midfield's chasing the game yeah. and you have five guys attacking a four-person back line yep. so that's exactly what the overload is intended to do and they're just executing it really well right now and hopefully it continues uh, I'm sure there'll be tough parts throughout the season by different teams scouting us in a certain way or doing different things, but I, it's it's working really well, and I'm glad the team's really taking it. Yep, so uh, before we get into everyone's favorite segment, um, just want to touch briefly on the documentary, the All or Nothing. I don't know if you guys have been caught up or watching any of the new ones, but just want to get your thoughts on that, on the Alba situation, how that was handled internally, all of that. 
all that drama that went on in the last release. Um, I think that the club is vindicated in their decision. That's what yeah. I've come away from it with. I mean, the fact that the fact that in the end he was already in Barcelona and they had they didn't know <laughs> the day of the transfer window happening. I that's my takeaway is I think they're vindicated. They stuck with their gun. I thought they were it was already fine anyway because clearly we needed to get that out and we got Jesus in so way better in my to fit our style of play. But also it seemed like him leaving we didn't pay out his full year and a half contract it seems like we might have if we paid anything was paid the rest of this season so that barcelona could take over going forward which the way it is portrayed and the way things they say like multiple times you guys are the winners in this that is that it makes me feel so much better about the situation and that makes sense too because what's barcelona trying to do right now that he's on their books is ship him out, trying to get shopping into Chelsea, shopping him all over. Um, and I don't, I don't want to harp again on something that's not Arsenal, but that just makes me hate Barcelona all the more because Edu goes back, contacts them, asks for an improved offer, and what do they do but send back the exact same shit that they sent before? It's like fuck you, fuck yeah. you. <laughs> Like, who are you to do this? And then now you're out here selling your soul and shit so you can get any cash whatsoever. I, 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 every day I find something out that makes me hate Barcelona even more. I, I swear, I, I was already a Real Madrid fan in that rivalry, but oh my goodness. I agree. That club is not making themselves look good at all. I'm glad they took Alba and because we are saving a ton of money and we've got Jesus, but... I yeah I agree. I used to be all right with Barcelona. Now I hate the club. I still like some of the players they got, and Javi's fine, but the club. Yeah, yeah, the club in general can't stand, and also the fact that anyone who gets into soccer or football anywhere automatically loves Barcelona. That makes me hate them even more too. Like that's the default jersey you see whenever you go out to like anything. You know what I mean? Someone's wearing a Barca jersey. All the time. Moscow and club. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of wankers, why don't we move straight into it, boys? Weekly wanker. Um, We'll let Beckett go this first this time, since I think Sam led off. Uh, Beckett, do you have one or two or three? Um, well, I have one. I have two. Okay. So my first one, this goes out to our fantasy premier league that we're in and uh some of our friends back home but my first weekly wanker is jared marshall because he used his triple captain this week and he triple captain bruno fernandez and got three points he's used his triple captain and got three points so shout out to marsh well done keep up the good work got a long ladder to climb there um my serious Weekly Wanker, also found on my Twitter feed. So this is a terrible Twitter take again. But uh, someone tweeted out, for anyone wondering how Mark Goldbridge is getting on, and they put on a video of this United fan doing his live watch after the third goal, and he's just freaking out. He's just absolutely freaking out. 
as you expect. You'd love to see that. But then the immediate comment underneath it that I see is a United fan. I don't know how. I don't know how our other fans actually enjoying seeing United fans in such pain. We are human beings. You can laugh at United results, make fun of the club as much as you want, but enjoying our pain is sick. And I couldn't help but laugh because United fans spit more shit than anybody in the world. And the first time they have trouble, they're crying because other fans are rooting for them to fail. So that's my terrible Twitter take and my weekly wanker because all United fans are weekly wankers. This guy needs a tampon, dude. What was he? Go back to last season at the beginning of the season and read some of the tweets he was talking about about Arsenal. Like, get out of here, dude. That's part Look of the game, man. Lap it up. Look, that's why I said foreshadowing earlier in this podcast. Think of all the things United fans said about Arsenal last year. Think of all the shit. Gary Neville dancing with the Brentford fans after that 2-0 win. I didn't see Gary Neville dancing with the fans this weekend. Where the fuck was that at? Man, I'll tell you what I did see was a lot of Brentford fans doing some dancing. Gary Neville was almost in tears uh, yeah, in the post-match. Was. He's so upset. Him and uh, not Carragher. Who was who was the other guy? I can't think of his name right now. Jamie Redknapp. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Redknapp. We're getting into it, into it. Look at me on the pitch. <laughs> yeah, look at me. Look me in the eyes. <laughs> I'm gonna fuck you tonight. Yeah, yeah. It was bad. I wanted to see Roy Keane. I think Sky just took him off. I think they were like, "Why don't you go home and take a breather?" I don't think he you're... probably left. Yeah, he might have <laughs> left on his own. I mean, he he doesn't even want anything to do with it anymore. It's fallen so far from where where it was whenever he left the club that he I don't like he loves it, but he's like I don't want to be associated right now. Don't put me on TV talking about them. I'll talk about anyone else. Yeah, I feel bad yeah. for for Roy Keane. Crazy to, crazy take as an Arsenal fan, but I like Roy Keane. Yeah, mine kind of goes in the same vein. It was just all all the United team in general. I just thought the performance was just laughable. Um, the De Gea. I don't. I just don't know how that's not saved. Harry Maguire and all his errors, and then Lissandro Martinez getting postered by Ben Mee, who's currently falling to the ground. Um, I just thought it was laughable too, because yeah, you're jumping, and then Ben Mee's falling over, and he still wins the header up and above you. Yeah, Specka just showed me a picture of Gary Neville in clown makeup. Funny. Love that. Thank you, Jamie Carragher. That's Jamie that. Carragher's profile <laughs> picture. Yeah. Thank you, Jamie <laughs> Carragher, for that. Um, you're not very, uh, you don't have much room to talk with two draws, but I mean, we'll take all the banter we can get. Um, yeah. All right. So my weekly wanker sticks to the Arsenal Leicester game. And you guys might have an idea because I had texted you during the game about it, but my weekly wanker is Wesley Fofano. This dude is a dickhead. He's getting carved up by Gabe, or Gabriel Martinelli for the whole first probably 15 minutes of the game. Gets frustrated, pulls him down, obvious foul. What's he do? Pick up the ball, and then he gets pissed at Martinelli for trying to grab the ball from him and keeps trying to tell him, settle down, dude. So it's like, dude, what are you talking about, man? You settle down. Like, Don't get pissed that you're getting done up and then the kid's just trying to play. And, what, yeah, he gets on a yellow. 
Like I thought that Martinelli just had him in his pocket all day. It was, it was a great, he might've been the guy who got megged on that Jesus chance by Martinelli. Um, but I just love the fact that he's trying to tell a kid to calm down when you're, why would he calm down? He's got you on a leash, man. He's trying to keep going at you. Um, so yeah, I just don't like that arrogance and like, you can't walking away from the ball, trying to act all hard. It's like, dude, you're getting shown up right now, man. Get your ass back and defend. He's halfway out the door on his way to Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it because he tried, he tried just doing the normal route, just defending. And then when that didn't work, he tried bruising him up and then Martinelli's still physical enough to stay on the ball and just beat him again. So yeah, absolute wanker. I had him in my honorable mentions, but um, yeah, that's, that's a great weekly wanker. Yeah. And then also shout out to the officiating crew on the Chelsea Tottenham game. All wankers. VAR, linesman, everyone, complete wanker. Um, that's just horrendous and a terrible showing for the Premier League. I mean, and it's crazy to me that I get on Twitter and all I see is praise for the game. That's what the Premier League's all about, the passion, the Tuchel and Conte fight, the Kane winner or tie equalizer. I'm like, dude, like I'm not trying to let these decisions wash the game. But literally two of those goals should not have happened. So, like, I get that it's a great game, but it's a stain. It's literally a stain, and it's laughable. I literally, I watch three or four leagues weekly, and I never see shit like that anywhere but the prim. Like, never. Never, ever. Except when I'm watching AFCON. Like, that's about the only time I've seen such laughable officiating. Not even in the MLS is it that bad. For real. Like, it's horrendous. They should, just, they should try and hire a ref from other countries. They really need to do away with the PGMOL and the, and the union. I get that as an official, you need to be protected. But, like, the complete lack of transparency. I mean, it's been shouted out many times as well. I don't know why only the coaches and players have to do interviews after the game you I don't it doesn't have to be post-match necessarily but at least the next day refs should be forced to put out a match summary and justify their decisions and or at least give some reasoning behind why they didn't go to VAR for that Cucurella hair pull or like at least explain how when the the stage of play changed from Bintakur's tackle to the goal. You know what I mean? Because from what I remember, Chelsea only got on the ball after that tackle in their own box for like a second before Spurs won it off them. So like, I just don't understand how that's a change of play. Like that's not a change in the stage of play. Chelsea's still under the cosh. They're in their own box. And they wouldn't have been had that call been called. They have a free kick to lop up to Kulibiali for header. So, like, it's just – that's just horrendous. But yeah. There we all, go. All My the weekly makers. All the negative of it, though, but we got to remember that is probably the best result for us. So, <laughs> it is the yeah. best result for all, sure. All of that comes comes together to, to some positive for us. Yeah, for sure. All right. Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about? Um, I just want to shout out Nuno Tavares and Ball again, both scoring. Again. Again. 
two and two games for both of them. So got to love to see that. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, Pablo Mari played as well on the weekend for Monza. Um, I noticed that didn't have too too good of a game. They lost one nothing. He was on a yellow. Um, but at least he's playing and shopping himself. And I believe, if I remember correctly, they have an obligation to buy him if they stay up. So, yes, they do. We're Monza fans for the for the season, I suppose. Because, yeah. Not to hate on him, but he's, I don't ever see him getting in the team. So, I mean, if we can get him off the books, we might as well. Leno's got that same shit. So, wait, not, (laughs) I predicted Fulham to go down. So, well, Leno has, Leno's already been bought, though. He just gets, Leno has increased fee. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. If they, Mari has no fee yet. If they stay up, they're obligated to buy him for what, five mil or however much it is. Yeah. Yeah, so that's better than nothing, and it's better than continuing to pay a player that's not going to play. Um, that yep. being said, I don't see him from the from the the all or nothing. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily. It would be terrible if he was in the squad, not in the squad, but you know, in the camp. Like he seems like a decent guy, and the players all yep. get along with him. And he's Mikel obviously likes him, but uh, yeah, it's just hard to keep a player like that when there's absolutely no minutes for him whatsoever yeah so that's Good kind of another thing in the in the documentary that i thought was kind of interesting is like how unaware like other players are of other players situations because i think forget who it was but one of the players was quoted as like yeah when someone gets transferred or loaned out it's just you know a text in the group chat like hey lads um i'm not gonna be at training tomorrow i'm going somewhere else so it's like kind of weird to think that that's how that actually works behind the scenes yeah i think that was holding who said that He's like, yeah, you don't know until you one day you get a text in the group me, you know, hey lads, you know, I just I just moved here. Uh, it, was, it was awesome working with you guys, you know, thanks. And then they're gone. Um, and he's like, but that's football. That's just part of the game. Um, and to kind of riff off that, if you've ever seen Moneyball, that's kind of a similar scenario in there. When Jonah Hill has to go tell Jason Giambi he's been traded and he's freaking out because Jason Giambi's a hothead and he thinks he's going to, you know, try to beat his ass or something. And he calls him in the office. He's like, hey, uh, you've been traded to the Orioles. And he's like, all right, is that it? He's like, uh, yeah. And he's like, all right, and just walks out. It's like they're so used to it by now. It's just part of the business. So, I mean, you think yeah. about it. A lot of those kids who are even the young kids, they've probably switched academies two, three, four times maybe. You know what I mean? So it's the same thing even when you're younger. It's like, all right, or lads, I'm alone. Yeah, or alone, yeah. So it's well, I mean, for those guys, they're probably going out every year for like three years. Yeah, some of them. But and I understand yeah. that that's different because when you go there, you know that it's a limited duration. Like there's an endpoint that you can see from the start. Um, but yeah, it's still, it's still just a weird, weird scenario. And yeah, the holding puts it best. He's like, "Yep, group message chat," and then it's like, "All right, see ya." Pablo Mario has left, left the chat. <laughs> yeah. No, someone goes to City and just stays in the chat and gets all the all the uh, tactics. Yeah, well, oh, that's also, about it. One last thing, sorry. Unfortunately, the parlay didn't hit this week. We got two of the three. Uh, we weren't going to mention that, mate. We weren't going uh, we to mention that, We have to cover ourselves 
when uh, we win and we lose. But listen, we've had five out of six bets right in the first yeah. two weeks, so it's, it's not, not all bad. No, if we if it's not if for anyone who doesn't put it as a parlay, you still made money. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly. And one thing's worth noting: since you hit the parlay, that's plus plus odds, we'll say, and then the other one was not as as rare. So you're still up up money. Yeah. One and one, but we're still positive. And I will say too, it's in the name potential parlays. We're not saying you have to parlay it. We're just putting out three decent bets, right? Potential. Yeah. If you want to go balls deep and you know put it together, that's on you. Yeah. I Those are three bets that we podcast. like. Yes. You want to go balls deep. I'm going balls deep every weekend, baby. But for those who are a little bit on the sketch side, don't trust us yet. Maybe just put individuals down until you see that we get more right than wrong. Unless you have unwavering faith in your podcast, your favorite podcast. Which I know that most of you guys do. So just keep it up. Another thing. Keep up the good Another thing I... Another thing I wanted to mention, though, is if you see the potential parlay and you think you got something better, don't don't hesitate to you know comment below, tell us we're idiots, tell us what we should take, and you know maybe maybe we'll take one of your potential parlays. Exactly. We're looking for all interactions. You can tell us we're fucking dumb, stupid. Go watch an actual soccer game, you idiot. I can take it. Can you take it, Beckett? Yeah. Go back to America. <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that does it. Can I get a see you later? See you next week. Go Arsenal. See ya. Deuces, guys. Thanks for listening. Go Arsenal. Peace. <laughs>